Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined in the studio by James Brown, the lead supporter. You'll know him as a voice on Talk Sport, often talking about his beloved leads, but he's also the man that uh, created Lodi, had an amazing career in... Uh, music, publishing and beyond had quite the story to tell and his autobiography is great so he came in and had a good long chat about that with us it was good we had some clips of the month for you as well we uh, brought you those you'll hear those again and we had a bit of a chat about various things at the top of the show I think that should just about do you so here it all is good afternoon everyone good afternoon Andy good afternoon Paul and I have to start with a a short apology yes Uh, I may have said the referee for the Southampton Brentford game last Saturday was called Thomas Breville. Yes. Uh, but in fact, I am in apology, it's Thomas Brammel. Okay. <laughs> Which would have made my toasted sandwich again. You did a toasted sandwich. <laughs> I mean, that is a bit of a leap as well, isn't it? You really shoehorn that in just to do a Breville gag. <laughs> wow, wee. Well, that's how I heard it. I thought it said, uh, you know, that yeah. it was Thomas Breville. We should Breville, salute but it was the, Thomas the job Brammel. he did by sticking did. to his guns. I went to see uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris yesterday. Very yes. Nice. Oh, Excellent yes. film, actually, with Leslie Manfield. But unfortunately, no mention of Chopper, who I thought might Is have it? featured. <laughs> Ron Harris Goes to Paris would, would be have been great, quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. just, I kept thinking that right throughout the movie. He just becomes the <laughs> defensive coach for PSG. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. I mean, there'd be certain players there that wouldn't really mind. Yeah, I'm sure they, they've got a few. Uh, Sergio Ramos, he could say, he could say, even even Ron would learn the art of the forearm smash because he could, he could never. He'd go two footed neck high, but he wouldn't give someone a forearm smash. What's French for put it in rosette? Put it in well, well, we'll find out a little bit later. Right. I'll get it translated. Yeah, we can. But lovely idea of Ron Harris goes. If you want to take film titles and Made turn and turn them into football ones this afternoon, not That's so much, a good idea. not so much pun. It could, I mean, it could be, it could feature but names, like that, but yeah. it would make it a very different film. Ron mm. Harris goes to Paris. It's very good. It's not about couture dresses, is it? <laughs> no. And the, and the Paris catwalk, I wouldn't think. It's it a be... terrific movie, I have to say. Yes, it's okay, really well, fair enough. But anyway, let us know this afternoon if you can if you can turn some of the great films into uh, sports movies. We can imagine what they were like. Maybe you want to try and imagine what they were like. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J, T-S-H-A-N-D-J. There's a story about the Seville coach, Sevilla coach rather, Julian Lopetegui, and uh, <laughs> this might be his last game tonight, and they're saying that he's on his way to Wolves. I'm yes. thinking, blimey, they checked his passport. They do know he's not Portuguese, don't they? Can't be. Yes. Someone will work it out in the office. No, stop him. Mettez le don l'orangie Z. 
Thank you. There we are. <laughs> Marvellous. Put it in Rose Ed. Thank you very much. Uh, what else? I see the Forest Head of Recruitment and Scouting face an uncertain future. I'm yeah. Surprised, really. <laughs> they were poor the other night, weren't they? Aren't they were, they? yes, yeah, unfortunately. But we, we were sticking with Steve Cooper yesterday. We think he deserves more uh, time. Me too. I, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Exactly that. I'd stick with Steve Cooper. I watched my mob last night. Um, oh, yeah. I, the well, only thing I can think is um, that they're growing pampas on the training ground because there's clearly a lot of very long grass because <laughs> every pass seems to be fired into another play. Every cross is over here. Yeah. It seems very odd. You know, it, it just seems that they've, it's just that final ball that he's just eluding. I said Spurs to you at the before moment. the show that you know if you if you'd looked at Spurs before the start of the season, the one thing you wouldn't have questioned was the striking department, yes. and that's the problem. And and that is just temporary. I mean, they you know they all the Kane and Son and Richarlison are class players. This won't go on the yeah. whole season. And I think the criticism of Antonio Conte is bonkers. Poor you know, goals make such a difference. Yeah, Spurs should have won that game quite. Yeah, they could night. have easily been 2-0 up at half-time. People half would time. have said, well, what a fine performance in Europe. You but know, yeah, you're so. right. Son's miss in the first half was a bad one. Kane, the one he sort of screwed around the post by his standards, was a poor one. It was just the touch of a lot of players. I mean, even Richarlison and Sonny, again, quite a poor game, quite a poor contribution from you, him yeah, really last night. it's a very night. strange season. And they do having... really miss Kulisevsky. I mean, oh, he yeah. makes such a big difference Huge to that difference. team. So transition. Every time Kane took a knock, though, it wasn't just Spurs fans who. It's England, well, yeah. yeah. It is. It's going to be that the... one where he sort of threw himself forward. I thought, oh, plummy. Well, you all know that's going to be the that front cover of the sun. He's going to be, you know, it's like the Wayne Rooney metatarsal. There's going to be one of those, isn't there? Yeah. Pray for someone. All you have to kind of rub Harry Kane's ankle yeah. Yeah. before the first round <laughs> yeah, exactly. games on the copy of a tabloid newspaper. We're going to get one I of those. I felt a bit for we? Brian Heedle who came on. Yeah, well, if you've got ten minutes to shine, you've had yeah, no game time. You run around like a headless chicken. But that's essentially what he did. And yeah, he's lost still the easy ball. to knock off the ball, but he's got yeah. good skills. You know, I, I've, I've written he'd be good in the jockeys' league. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <clears throat> I think the money's not quite as good as no, it is in the not. Premier League. But he, is, he, he goes down quite easily and then looks for free yeah, kicks. Yeah, yeah. And even a Champions League ref that are normally, you know, I mean, in the Premier League, he'd have no chance of getting <laughs> no. those. So, um, yeah, he's, he is very much work in progress, but very skillful player. And anyway. Kudos scored for Ajax. Hats off to him. Yes, it? indeed. They had that picture <laughs> yesterday of... Um, <clears throat> sorry, a lovely romantic image of Diego Maradona and Johan Cruyff up in heaven about to watch the game between Napoli and uh, Ajax. I would imagine... Mm. Um, Johan in heaven put his foot through the telly <laughs> yeah, which wouldn't have gone down too well I think in that part of the world but uh, we're, we're going to touch on that later on because that was a mad result we got, we're going to look great at, idea yeah we're going to we're going to look back at uh, some of the big stories in the Champions League and we'll preview the games this afternoon we'll talk a bit of Chelsea later on Vittorio Angeloni's big Celtic fan he's going to pop in and see us we'll find out more about what Copenhagen offer and indeed Leipzig offer uh, this evening in their games and uh, Tancredi Palmieri joins us over in Italy uh, Bakayoko one of your boys yeah. is on loan at Milan isn't he? He is and um, if he plays one more game they have to buy him for 12 million according to Tancredi on Twitter Yeah, and uh, of course, that's why they'll never be paying him ever again <laughs> so what's he going to do sit there for the rest of the season and not play? Yeah, exactly he, he might go somewhere in January. Football does this thing, doesn't it? We've seen it just with Griezmann, although we hear the day that they've managed to, to sort him. out a deal which means he can play more than 28 minutes a game. When he was at Monaco, he looked a really good player. Then he came Back to Chelsea Oka, yeah. and he was absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And he's not been any better since, really. 
But the idea that they know if they put him out for five... So he's going to be the last player on earth that gets a game, is it, yeah. for them? Because then they'll have to buy him and they don't want to buy him. No. In any other line of work, if you worked at Curry's and, like they said, you know, the minute he sells over four tellies, we've got to give him a full-time job. <laughs> so, I mean, just... Yeah, but you'd want to. Bakayoko wouldn't sell four tellies. He'd sell no tellies and drop one. <laughs> Is what he'd do. Okay. <laughs> Poor old Bay's getting in the neck today. <laughs> well, let's be honest. So, just bring it out. I'm just going to take just, this out to the customer. I refer the jury to his performance against yeah. Watford. Just taking it out to the customer. Smash. Oh, he's broken another one. Let's get one out of the stock room. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, I'm sure a great many of the listeners uh, were uh, loaded readers, also uh, NME readers and sounds readers over the years. So, uh, probably know James Brown from his work here on the station with Johnny Vaughan on the warm-up back show. in the day. And uh, we often speak to him about uh, Leeds. But uh, James has written his autobiography, uh, Animal House, taking him for all those years, starting off in the fanzine days, the very early days, through the music press, to Loaded and beyond. And there's a lot about his personal life in there as well, which we'll come on to. And he's with us in the studio. Are you, James? Afternoon, guys. It, on one level, it is a romp, as I said to you the other day. I mean, there's so much stuff, so much content, so many anecdotes and, and funny stories from, from all the periods of your life, really, certainly from the, the period when you're in the music press and then into Loaded mm. and beyond. But there's some very honest stuff in there as well. You, you, you talk about your mum who was ill for a very long time. You talk about your own issues around drink and drugs and the rehab you went through as mm. well. So it's, it's more than just a romp through the Loaded years, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the publishers wanted everything, so, you know, I gave them everything. And I think that, um, you know, I was really lucky. I had a brilliant career in, in, in publishing in the sort of mid to late 80s when I became a music journalist. There were so many great bands emerging and, the, and and there were kind of a lot of great rock and roll bands, but also there were, there was the rap, there was a rap era, you know, with the Beastie Boys and Run DMC, Public Enemy, Def Jam. Uh, Scott Rock, all of that era, and then also was the emergence of house music, and then the Manchester, and there were just so many great bands to write about then. And then what I learned as a, as a, you know, I haven't got any qualifications in journalism, and um, what I learned at the NME, being able to use those skills and, and and that experience to launch Loaded, which was a totally and utterly unexpected phenomenon. Mm. But you you know you worked in magazines, yeah. people thought within publishing that men would never read a mass market magazine in the same way as women had Cosmopolitan, Marie Claire, Elle and so on. Um, it just proved them wrong, you know. It was it was a very simple requirement to put football and music together. That was the starting point. And, and then also to add nightclubbing, travel was just changing then. Mm. You know, um, <clears throat> people were starting... It was a golden to, era for magazines, wasn't it? The, yeah, it was, the, it, was the last, it was the last golden era, the end of the 90s. I mean, mm. people used to... Publicists and record companies and uh, film companies, and they would they would pay a fortune in advertising mm. and PR contracts to get their people in into magazines. And, um, you know, I had a lot of freedom because the, the, both magazines, The Enemy and Loaded, were very successful. You know, I was, uh, I was age 22 and I was choosing, I was features editor of The Enemy. I was choosing every week who went on the front cover, which is... Um, it's a phenomenal thing to do. Yeah. It would be like, imagine having somebody running the content of the station who were 22, you'd be just nuts. But um, it was, you know, it was able to put a lot of young bands on the cover, you know, people like the Happy Mondays and the Charlatans and Stone Roses and so on that people loved, you know, they were, it, it was it was a good yeah. time. And then the same with Loaded, just having that freedom because, 
you know, we weren't supposed to make any money for three years. We made the first pound of profit after 12 weeks. Yeah. And um, I well, mean, you, I had a ringside seat to all this, James, because I was next door. Yeah, and you we were, were through the wall. We were basically we the, they put us. They didn't. They wouldn't have us in the main building ninety minutes and loaded. So they stuck <coughs> us over the road in this little yeah. office. So our only way out, really, into the street um, from the ninety minutes office, and we there was a lot of kind of interchange between the sort mm. of ninety minutes and the loaded office was to go through the office. So quite a lot of these stories and quite a lot of the mayhem that I recall at the time was was, was it, going on yeah, next. I door. remember going there in ninety four as well. You, yeah, you came yeah. to see me about a TV idea yeah, that yeah. I had. Mm. Was it noisy from outside? Oh, yeah, no, no, it was no noisy than anywhere else. We were all in okay, there. We had a little bit of bleed from the music we were playing. <laughs> I always remember the shed on the roof. You had that, you had that shed on the <laughs> roof. And you could go in there and, and if you were working late and you fancied a beer, there'd be beer in there. If yeah. you fancied a, an ice cream. I remember once you seemed to have about 12,000 Kit Kat ice creams <laughs> or something. There well, was just, it well, was, the stuff would <clears> get sent to you all the time. It was constant. Yeah. Um, Loaded had a very broad range of editorial interests, yeah. you know, basically anything that the staff or the readers were into, if we thought we could get a good angle on it, it was mm. funny. So much, so much of the content just generated from us, uh, would generate from conversations in the pub. Yeah. And we did spend a lot of time in the pub, not after hours, because I knew that, you know, if, if somebody was having an argument about who was better, Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal, there's a good chance the readers will be interested yeah, yeah. in reading that. Mm. Or, you know, my favourite one was, you know, when we created the Crisps World Cup. Yeah. You know, trying to find which the best crisp was. There's been a lot of that stuff since then. Yeah, I mean, that originated from my boss claiming that kettle chips, which in those days were really expensive and posh, (laughs) they were in bags the size of pillows, were better than walkers. And um, so there was just endless stuff being sent in i mean yeah. literally at the beginning i just wanted to get in a football for free yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean you, I mean, you, you paid a price but you sound like you had a lot of fun <clears throat> yeah it was great i mean that it, it's um it's hard to i mean read the book anybody yeah. anyone who who read the who read loaded and but by, by the time i left after 3 years we were selling a third of a million a month hmm. and the National Readership Survey suggested there were four or five people reading every issue. Yeah. Because like here at TalkSport, if if you see a good book or a magazine on your colleague's desk, you pick it up and you nick it and have a read of it and it gets passed around. And um, there was endless things sent in. You know, like people would show up with boxes. There was a guy who came every with boxes of crisps and booze and it was just, we had this stack of... Do you remember Moscow Mule? Oh yes, yeah. Because yeah. this was also the Alcapop era, you know. Yeah, there was, yeah. there was like two dogs, two dogs and hooch and oh yeah, <laughs> getting all of that stuff. And we had a wall of Star Apartment beer and Moscow Mule behind yeah. the secretaries, the PAs kind of area. And um, I mean, you were given a lot of. I mean, it, was, it was a very. Good, I, I was working with you at IPC, and and it was a very corporate environment. I mean, we had like new scientists and Cajun Avery Bird and yeah. over the road. Well, that's why yeah. we were in the stables. That's why they put us in the other studio, yeah, in the other uh, office. But, you know, the fact that you were given so much freedom from a corporate point of view to create this kind of fairly hedonistic, mad, very loose... I mean, it broke all the rules, really, of, of what how a magazine should work, and they let you get on with it. Well, it's amazing... It making the money, It's amazing the influence making money for people. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But you're right, nobody came near us. No. Nobody, they just, after the first three issues... Uh, our boss, Alan Lewis, uh, hmm. kind of just left us to it. He was in charge of the editorial for, for all the all the all the titles, and um, didn't see him again. Apart from if there was a drink going, you know, <laughs> or an argument about crisps to be had. And <clears throat> I think it was just if you've in <clears throat> sorry if you're in some sort of creative industry, hmm. um, being given 
a blank sheet of paper can possibly be quite you know ominous yeah but for me it was just like freedom you know i'd edited my own fanzine as a teenager and i'd had all the times on the enemy where i was allowed to put in whatever i wanted so yeah, just you cover all that in the book don't you yeah and and just mm. to be able to sort of put gary speed or lee sharp or one of the young footballers that was getting a lot of attention alongside oasis or the charlatans or black grape or you know carl cox or you know whatever yeah. we were covering it was that mix that made it so successful it once you know once, once we got out there and people <clears throat> realized it was like being in a pub with your mates and it was um you know we didn't think we were better than the readerships and i think magazines that had come before like the face and id they were really cool mm. you know they were about this kind of really cool elite uh fashion and, and, and clubs and, and so on and then gq was a, you know they'd have government ministers on the cover yeah they'd have reviews of like you know I don't know. It was just it was just old and stuffy. Yeah, it was yeah. nothing like our lives. Mm. It wasn't, you know. And there was so much going on in, in the nineties from television with things like, you know, television and comedy like the Fast Show and Vic and Bob and Jack D and all of those different people of mm. uh, Frank Skinner and fantasy football and David Baddiel and then the gigs. You know, all the different bands that I mentioned. The emergence of festivals again. Yeah. Um, That's the thing about the book. <clears throat> as I said to you the other day, it's really evocative. If all through it from the early days. The music, the TV, the kind of just the the the, the pop culture stuff, the zeitgeist of the time that you mentioned at the time, and it but, just brings a lot but there of was stuff. So back. much going on. Yeah. I mean, I can remember being on the District Line, which is the Green Line. It goes across the bottom of of, of London, hmm. you know, by the river, and um, looking out and seeing a poster, a single sheet poster, of three blokes in black shirts and sorry, black. Black jackets, black ties, white shirts, and what appeared to be blood splattered across it. And I got to the next station, there was another one, and that was that was the first posters for Reservoir Dogs. Mm. I can remember seeing a script of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels when I moved to GQ. There was a script of that in our office. Wow. And then reading The Beach, you know, that I picked up that mm. book on a holiday in Wales. I just thought, oh, that there was a mm. quote from Nick Hornby on the cover there. I didn't know anything about it, so... These things that were emerging, like train spotting, like the beach, like Reservoir Dogs, that became great era-defining films, Pulp Fiction and so on, they were coming out of nowhere. Nobody knew about any of these things. And mm. I think, you know, that, that decade was a period when people who had just been really, maybe quite isolated and really focused on, on the things they were passionate about through the 80s. Yeah. In the 90s, they got to fulfil their opportunities, you know, fulfil their creativity. James Brown is with us. We're chatting about his autobiography, Animal House, and um, we'll talk more. We'll talk about our drunken question to Louis Van Gaal, almost caused an international <laughs> football incident, and that's the amount of footballers who loved uh, the magazine, and uh, to more serious matters as well. That's all to come. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Journalist and loaded creator James Brown with us in the studio. We're chatting about his autobiography, uh, Animal House. There's a big focus on, on, the, uh, on the loaded years, of course. Just before we leave that and we talk about some of the football stories, the kind of lad mag genre has taken a lot of heat since uh, yeah. they talk about the loaded generation. And I think it's, it's kind of, if you look at the old loaded covers, you read the magazines, you look at the journalism. I mean, the kind of lad mag, as uh, we know to come, uh, know afterwards and it got pilloried, was after, really after loaded, yeah, post-loaded, you know, was, wasn't it? I was it? getting blamed for the act to come on afterwards, you know? They yeah. were like, if you, if you get the book, 
if you get Animal House, we've put a lot of the covers on the inside, mm. in the mm. inside covers. And, you know, my covers were men that we admired. So Jimmy White. Yeah. Uh, Frank Skinner. Sure. Um, Will Carlin. Yeah. Gaz- Gazza. Um, it was Vic- Kevin Keegan, Sean Bean, David Letterman. That was a bold. I mean, not a lot yeah. of people knew Letterman over here. Well, he'd done his week in London. Oh, right. And they had Peter O'Toole on. And they they, they got a, a well, camel. brilliant career, did they? They bought a camel on. Oh, right. and they got And they had a oh, camel Lord drink Sharia. in a lager. And to be honest, Paul, again, I don't think you will have had this problem in a football mag, but I don't think we had a cover. Right. I don't think we had one issue. We, we, I don't think we had somebody that stood out. And everyone thought that the camel drinking the beer, they shot at LWT, which was right next to the, uh, the loaded and 90-minute offices. Mm. And it was so funny. And I thought, well... People love the great moment in life section. I said, let's just put that on the cover. <laughs> you know, because you always think you've you've got to go with a big, big interview. Yeah. But actually, yeah. we're loaded. You could have put like... But anybody on the you cover. You could have put a pint and a bucket of crisps and it was it was selling so well yeah. that, that, that people would have bought it. Well, football was a big part of it. Yeah. I know I used to see them quite a lot of the uh, events. We'd come along with a drink with you boys and there'd often be some of the island players. You befriended quite a few of those and they were big fans of the mag. As was Big Jack, as you're discovering mm. the book. But um, the, the Van Hal story is, is probably worth telling if we're going to just pick one story. So tell us uh, yeah, how for, you nearly started a transfer story. I wrote that so long ago I forgot about it. We... We could go anywhere. You know, mm. once I got the company mm. credit card, it was multiple plane tickets. And nobody, <laughs> nobody ever talked to me about expenditure, ever. Yeah. And retrospectively, I wish, you know, I wish I'd done more. Mm. But five of us went to Amsterdam for the weekend, as you would. Yeah, Any, anybody, you would. <laughs> anybody listening to this station, if they got the company credit card and nobody was going to check what it was being spent on, yeah. would go to Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and yeah. we also went to, you know, Sydney and Hawaii and and, and, and all sorts of places like that. But, um, you know, when in Amsterdam, do was the Dutch, you know, yeah. and we had some of that, uh, the, the dope cake. Mm. The woman, she had a tray of it on the cafe and I, I said, what about this big bit on the end? She goes, that would stop an elephant. And, and me, so that was a challenge, was it? Yeah, no. me and Reese, who was also keen on the mind-altering substances, were, <laughs> we were straight in for the elephant stoppers. Mm. And at first it was fine, and then but in the evening we were going to see Ajax play. And it kicked in about 20 minutes into the game. I was mm. crawling around the press box, barking like a dog. <laughs> no. But to be fair, all the Dutch journalists at that point thought it was funny. They were just laughing, and then... Mm. Afterwards, nowadays, as as everybody who listens to the station and watches television knows, they have a thing called a mix zone, mm-hmm. and the players come out, and the journalists, and the, and the reporters, and people like Moose and so on are able to talk to the players in this mix zone. But we didn't have that in England then, or Scotland, and um, or Wales, and we, you know, so I was in the mix zone mm. with Louis Van Hal, and I was absolutely, you know, I was just tripping, you know, yeah. and then. Um, I was a very good liar in those days. And I I said to Van Hal, so I've come from uh, the Mirror or the Sun or whatever, one of the tabloids, and I've uh, just come to Louis. When are you going to announce the Mar- Overmars to Man United story? <laughs> Dead straight. Mm. I was, that was hallucinating. And he looked at me and said, no, that's not happening. And I said, well, you know, Manchester United have told us that it is. And there was none of this was true. This is, none of, of this was wasn't. in the office. This yeah. was before he joined Arsenal, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, not true at all, but the Dutch, you know, particularly the Ajax supporting journalists, they were looking they were panicked because right <laughs> I was being really straight, and he was, yeah. and the and because it was totally untrue, he, Van Hal was really shocked and very 
you know, strong in his denial. Mm. The more he denied it, the more the, the Dutch journalists started to think there was something. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> my mate just, Van Gaal was getting more and more angry and his head was, obviously, when you're tripping, you kind of see things in a different light. His head was all glistening and, right. and eventually my mate just kind of steered me out. The journalists followed us out going, you know, when is this happening? Who's told you? Who told you? It's amazing. It's really there's, this, there's a question, there's a little story, a lovely story in the forward about Lord Litchfield who you met uh, with Felix Dennis and he says to you, how on earth did you manage to sell so many magazines whilst taking so many drugs? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you if you go back to the late 80s, before, you know, six years before Loaded came out, the emergence of Acid House and then the arrival of Ecstasy, mm. um, I know there were tragic cases like Leah Betts, but Ecstasy became a, an everyday part of club going and it didn't matter if you were in kind of Rochdale or the Ministry of Sound or Blackburn or Stoke at Shelley's, wherever you were going out, that was a very common thing. Yeah. And, um, but that lifestyle, James, but, you know. But that, that, but that was yeah. a generational thing. It sure. wasn't just me and some mates who worked in the music mm. biz. Yeah. It was a generational thing. And, and, uh, and ecstasy, in a way, was just open as a platform for... I mean, people don't talk about this, but there was a, a lot of cocaine use in Britain in that, oh. in that era. I mean, I can remember being in Leighton Orient's toilets and they had a sign-up saying... Anyone found taking cocaine in here? I mean, that was a professional football club. Yeah. And, but there's an issue with it around football now, of course. Well, it also because if you went to Liverpool, for mm. instance, they used to say that the only people with any money there were the gangsters and the footballers. Mm. So, well, there are a couple of things I'll ask you about. That first, mm. that lifestyle did ultimately take its toll. You're completely clean now. You yeah. have been for a long time. You went through rehab. And I know people, there could be people listening today who've gone through what you've gone through, maybe still going through it, or, or you know, mm. have gone the same mm. route as you. I mean, people do come to you for a advice. Lot, a lot, a I lot get of people a lot, reach out. A lot of guys will get in touch because they've got, I mean, this morning I had a, a, a message from somebody, you know, we've got issues, particularly with drink, mm. because obviously more people have access to drink than they have to, to ecstasy or cocaine or whatever. And, um, you know, you can you can deal with it. You know, I was lucky that the company I was working for got me a rehab counsellor they wanted me to go into a residential rehab so I was I was very lucky but also you know Paul I wanted to stop yeah and it took about four or five months of of seeing this guy and uh, eventually I got to the point where something happened that made me think that I, I really need to change what I'm doing but it's it's not it's not an easy thing to give up drinking or to stop taking drugs but it is actually a simple thing it's a very very hard thing to do but it's a simple thing you simply don't pick it up but it is a habit. I remember in the early weeks when I first was kind of starting to get, you know, be sober and, and, and kind of drug free, getting up in bars or restaurants and starting walking towards the bogs. And I didn't need to go to the toilet. Mm. It was just a habit. Muscle memory. I was, yeah, and I was halfway, yeah. I'd be halfway through a restaurant. I'd turn around and come back and think, I don't do that anymore. And then, you know, talking to people, I had some friends who were like, what? You know, mm. I remember... Shane McGowan, you know, if I used to drink in the bar that I was I was in all the time, he's going, "What? Yeah. You've stopped drinking?" I was like, because it was in just, that environment, it was just it must better. Have, I mean, I'm sure yeah, a lot of listeners again difficult. are thinking it's hard in my environment to stop, whether they go to yeah, football, yeah. whether they go to gigs, whatever they do. Oh, I drank everywhere. But, I had, I had. So in that environment, how hard is it to stop when trains, you're surrounded by trains, planes? I mean, the one thing I stopped doing was stag do's. Hmm. I didn't go to a festival for years, um, but now I can pretty much. Do I mean even now stag do? I'd be 
I did, it would have to depend who was going. One time, uh, one of the ad sales guys at my company said, come to my stag, do gaffer. Hmm. I said, who's going? He said, it'll be great, you'll be fine. I said, you know, there's a lot of drink. And he goes, it's just the lads from the rugby club and some <laughs> mates of mine from the SAS. He <laughs> was like, yeah, and no. You've never, and you've never fallen off the wagon. No, since. no, because well, well it, well, it's well, better. Well. I'm better for it. I know yeah. I'm better. I'm perfectly happy being in a pub. Mm. I'm perfectly happy being at a match. Everyone's having a drink. You know, I took my little boy, I think we were at Southampton or something. The Leeds away is quite quite rowdy mm. in the bar area. And they were just chucking drinks around, flying around. Yeah. My little boy was like just looking in shock. And the the only issue for me is yeah. don't get splattered in it. You know, try and avoid the the yeah, kind of yeah, waves yeah. of beer flying around. Well, look, well done, because I, yeah. I see. I we knew haven't you. had time to talk about your love of no. Leeds, but we know. I knew you amongst all the mayhem. So to, to to have come through that and stayed clean is is some achievement. So just one final thing, you know, you started something from scratch, effectively, which was a kind of phenomenon. I mean, now people will be doing that online. It was just the start of the internet. There was a bit of crossover. With yeah, that. I think podcasts are close yeah. to what it's... Because so you, you feel, just see people chatting. Do you feel you can still do that? You can still do something that's kind of era-defining? Yeah, is definitely. That... Definitely. I think, you know, um, you know, the younger guys I play football with, if you mention a podcast, they're all ears. You know, they're, you've got the same dynamic in a good podcast. Two or three people sitting around talking enthusiastically, often in-depth about things that a lot of people wouldn't think was important, obviously mm. in our case, football. Um, and, you, I mean, you don't really need magazines anymore because there was a time when people needed newspapers and magazines, newspapers for information, whether it's the TV listings or the weather or what's going on in the news. And, and, and magazines were like, they, you know, they used to say to us in research that it's like a good friend, yeah. that Loaded was like a really good mate that you'd want to be with. And now you get instant gratification on, uh, you know, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok yeah. and the rest of it and YouTube. And so we just live in a different landscape now. Mm. Lovely to see you. Best of luck with the book. As I said, it's it's a romp and more. So I think people all, all love it. And I said, very evocative of a lot of different eras. Uh, and it's uh, out now in hardback. It's called Animal House Quercus. Oh, the publisher. It's on, it's on Audible and it's on Kindle as well. And you done? You read it? Have you done the? Have you yeah, but done, actually, what well, I'm getting Daniel a lot Craig of Craig Yeah, I I, read, I did the reading and I'd never done anything like that before. Like, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> so we left that in, and a lot of a lot of guys are kind of coming back and saying, "I love the laughing," but it was just reading the stuff was so yeah. stupid. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, you just kind of couldn't really believe the stuff we were getting away with. So I I enjoyed doing that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Andy, we did ask the TalkSport listeners because you went and saw the new film of uh, Leslie Manville, Jason Isaacs, uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Good film. Yeah. Um, but throughout it, you're wondering what kind of film Ron Harris Goes to Paris <laughs> would have been like the <laughs> 70s Chelsea skipper and enforcer. Yeah. Um, a very different film of it, basically in working with PSG, making him a bit more violent as a football mm. team, I would imagine. So, um, yeah, we've been getting some suggestions from the TalkSport listeners. The talented Stuart Ripley. That would have been a quite an interesting <laughs> good, film. Yeah. Uh, Johnny gives us. Um, what about a Clockwork Orange? Nice. You can see Jürgen in that bowler hat. Dave the Reading fan. It would have been very different. Uh, very different. The Conte of Monte Cristo. You know what that would be like. Defensive. You'd have to suffer to watch that. You'll have to, four hours long, you'll have to suffer. Director's cut. Imagine the director's cut. He'd insist. He be like an, an overblown Scorsese film, wouldn't it? The director's cut. Thank, keep yeah, them coming, by the way. Talksport.com, text 81089. Text 81089. I've got to give you the Neville's Wear Prada. That's very good. Isn't very it? good. Yeah. We'd all watch that. Uh, talking of Paris, it's uh, amongst French cities banning the World Cup fan zones and big screens over Qatar's humanitarian abuses. You think, what's the point of that? What? Hey, that's absolutely going to have no effect whatsoever. You know, it would be much more effective if France didn't actually go to the World Cup if you're that worried about it. Mm. Uh, Saudi Arabia have been awarded the uh, 2029 Asian Winter Games. That's where I think of when I want to go skiing. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I don't know. The first thing you think of <laughs> Tremendous. playing the ski Sunday music over camels. That would be fantastic. Not ideal, Just a really. mirage in the distance. Yeah, fantastic. Well, and, top uh, place for your skiing holidays. Another first round defeat, sadly, for Emma Raducanu. Have another sponsorship deal, why? Not oh, well there, being far too cynical. Uh, to, yeah. Time will come. Will it? Okay. Still waiting. Okay. Well, you may well be right. Anything else? You're like uh, some bitchy columnist. Well, I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, King Charles had a winner yesterday, his first winner. I wonder, yeah. did he have he a bet? He wasn't riding it, was he? No, he wasn't. Right. <laughs> did he have a bet on it? I, I reckon Camilla had a little flutter. You think? Yes. Do you think they'd do it online? They wouldn't pop, down. About they wouldn't pop down Paddy Power, would they? No. No. <laughs> online. Yeah. Worth about £8,200 or something to to the winner. So, you know, it all goes towards the training I say costs. The, 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 uh, the late Queen was a very canny punter. Well, yeah, well, been she, told she knew what she years. was doing. She really yeah. did know her stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian Owen wrote with this revelation to the star this morning. What a sensation Erling Haaland is already turning out to be. His hat-trick against Manchester United was spectacular. Thanks for letting us know, Ian. I wouldn't have known that without you. That's it. Yeah, Tremendous. indeed. Uh, do you hear about the West Ham fan who went up to the bar? I'm often a bit nervous about this. This is a good story. you just yeah. flash your card on the... Well, it couldn't have been because it'd have a 100 quid limit if you are paying for a... She, anyway, she cut a long story short. She went and paid for a beer, which was £6.60 at the ground, mm. and she was charged for... Uh, it's she a bloke, shot. isn't it? Gary. Oh, was it, oh, was it a guy? I'm Gary sorry. Gary Ollard. Oh, sorry, Gary Ollard. his girlfriend, Zoe. 
Oh, that's right. Okay, that was the picture of them together. So Gary went up. Yeah, do apologise, Gary. Uh, went up and um, they gave him sixty. Well, they charged him for sixty-six beers. Um, so it came to um, he hadn't had sixty-six beers already, had he? How no. Did you not notice? Well, four hundred and thirty-five pounds. Surely you, you you can't just swipe that. You've actually got to put your card in card the machine in and, and then, put the number in. Did he not think that's a bit odd for six pounds sixty? Yeah, oh, but well. uh, anyway, uh, West Ham said not us, Gov. It's uh, it's an independent company that deal with it. So I'm sure they'll mm. sort him out. But uh, um, I've, I, basically, if you're going to guitar, Gary, I'll get used to that because that's that's the game. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's four, cheap. Four hundred and sixty <laughs> quid uh, is about the going rate for a pint there. So if you are going, yeah, that's the sort of prices you'll be paying. I did like this though. This uh, a mum discovered the face of Elvis staring back at a, at a from a pot of McDonald's ketchup. Apparently, because yeah. it doesn't look anything like Elvis, they never do. But he said, "I was just debating if there was enough sauce to dip my chicken nuggets in again." I think what a shame it wasn't chicken tenders. Would have been perfect, there, wouldn't it? Chicken tender. You're going to sing Love chicken tenders. tenders to the tune of "Love Me Tender." <laughs> well, I'm not. That's no, very nice. I wouldn't attempt. Because you have it, Elvis McDonald's hits. No, we don't want those. <laughs> and by the way, you're sending in yeah. how different films would be. And mm. um, quite a lot of you have sent in one involving Stuart Dallas and what he does. They're not getting read out. <laughs> you can send in as many as you like. <laughs> the Stuart Dallas ones, I'm afraid, are not getting read out. <laughs> it's very Come good. on, think of the time of day. Um, so, but anyway, keep them coming. Um, mm. uh, yes, what else have we got here? Um, oh, last Murty night. Murty Dancing. What was it? Gra- Graham Murty. What a oh, beautiful yeah, well, film that would be. From Martin, <laughs> Martin in Newcastle. That's a film. It'd be a very. Quad Rafinha <laughs> would be very good. Well done, uh, Jamie, for that one. Again, a very different, uh, very That's different clever. film. That is clever. Uh, my uh, the friend, my friend, who I sit next to at Brentford. Yeah. Uh, he texted me last night, and for some reason, he didn't tell me why, but he said, "I'm down here in Torquay, and I'm taking in Torquay versus with Maidenhead." Oh, yes. yeah. Don't bring that up to the so, producer. Yeah, so we, I said to him, "Oh, how are they getting on?" And he said, oh, "It's two two at the moment." And then he sent me through a late one, three two to yeah. Maidenhead. They scored. Torquay in were in the lead. Aren't they? And uh, yeah, and they and they blew it. I knew, I knew the producer would be in a bad mood yeah, today. Yeah, Charlie Baker's a broken man. The producer is not mm. going well from their point of view. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. And one of our semi-finals will feature the same person. Uh, for the first time, I think we've ever... I mean, we've been Alan heavy or Parry heavy in the past. Is that the first time it's happened? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, well, yes, it's a Dean Saunders. It's a Dino uh, 1, 2, 3. We won't play them in order, but they'll certainly be appearing in the same uh, semi-final for you. So you can go and vote for your favourites at TSH&J after you've heard them. So, of course, we're going to kick off with <clears> Dean Saunders. <throat> and one we're calling. We can't wait to see you at Crufts, Dino. Just... Dogs rather than massive wolves, but still a frightening experience. As you know, Laura, I yes. judged the dog contest last week, <laughs> and a dog's a dog, isn't it? He's an odd choice of judge on that basis, isn't he? Really? <laughs> Dean, would you come breed. and do the dog show? Yeah, I'm quite happy to, but dog's a dog, really, isn't it? We're having no categories what do you mean, for breeds. What do you mean breed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is Alan Brazil on Breakfast Now with Gabby Agbonlaw talking TV. Prison break? What? Have you watched it? No. It's very good. I remember we were away with um, Villa and me and my teammate, we watched Who's the whole... Uh, Philly Schofield. Don't think mm. he is, is he? Yeah, I, I do remember that scene in the present canteen when he pushed in the queue. Oh, yeah. Tremendous. Then, yeah, there was that time, but I don't... I think it might have been a... 
play on the character's name, but there we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look out for him, though, in the uh, in the next edition. <laughs> Back to Dino, this time alongside Natalie Sawyer, reflecting on the early Premier League days. When I played and Sky just started, imagine it being like a big pie and the player's got... You cut the pie in half, the player's got half the money. Player's got that half. Is this a, a sweet or savoury pie? Uh, let's call it a, a cake. Is it a cake or normally, a pie? That's what you normally call it, a cake. Is it a cake or a pie? Make your mind up. Is it savoury or is it sweet? We need to know. Here's a call now to drive. What are you doing? You sound, hey. like you're, you sound like you're at work. What are you doing? No, I'm in the kitchen, mate. Uh, I guess I'm working. All right. What are you I making? I'm working. What are you making? I'm, I'm just staring at the sink. Nice. Fantastic. Well, Why you know, not? I can't touch you for it. Why not? Just staring <laughs> at the sink. And finally, it's breakfast with uh, Dean, but it's not really his clip, and Laura Woods. And basically, you, you know what's coming. Anybody out there know a cure for hiccups quickly because Laura's got it and it's not ideal for a radio presenter. If you could send them in, that would be great. Now, the WBO interim champion who joined the boys on drive in the studio yesterday... (laughs) (laughs) We knew it was coming. Yes, we have got one more from Dean, haven't we? We have. Here he is chatting about the Spurs manager. Even listening to him last week when he was talking about VAR Conte, he was saying, like, "I, I, I understand referee make a decision, but... I don't understand when they look at the monitor. Good job he didn't do the accent. <laughs> what is this, a low, a low? Fantastic. So one of the one of the Dean Saunders clips will make the final because they're going to have their own semi-final. So was it uh, Dean's a dog's a dog? Was it the pie or is it a cake? Is it his fine impression of uh, Antonio Conte? Or is it in the other semi-final, uh, Big Alan and Gabby talking TV? Um, was it the... Listener staring at the sink, or was it Laura with the hiccups? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Quite fascinated by Britain's dullest man. Oh, okay. (laughs) It isn't me, surprisingly. Right, okay. It's uh, Kevin Berrison. We've spoken to him in the past. Do you remember he did a calendar of uh, Jack uh, Grealish's calves? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he does them because they're big sellers. They do, and it's it's a bit of fun anyway. He's doing uh, village notice boards this Mm. year. Can't hardly wait. <laughs> but they sell. I mean, yes. you know, the, the duller they get, the duller he makes oh, them. That's right. Uh, the bigger the sellers. That's his they selling are. point. That's right. Yes. Yes. It's hard to feel too sorry for Rebecca Vardy. She's uh, going to have to pay quite a lot of money for Colleen's uh, legal bills. Yeah. And uh, she's still sort of tweeting stuff that probably isn't doing her a lot of favours. In the end, I think you have to accept you lost. That's oh, it. Yeah. There we are. I mean, you're, you're always proved to be a good loser from a football point I of view, Andy. Yes. So I, I think you're the perfect person to, uh, <laughs> yeah, very much. to, to tell us about that. Definitely. Absolutely. John Fashionu will be appearing in Dancing on Ice. I see that, yeah. Yes, be where quite he good says he's going to win. Of course, he would do. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Just time to bring you the winner of the Clips of the Month for September. 55% of the vote, thanks to everybody who voted, went to Laura Woods and Dean Saunders here. And you can see what's going to happen. See you tomorrow. Anybody out there know a cure for hiccups quickly because Laura's got it and it's not ideal for a radio presenter. If you could send them in, that would be great. Now, the WBO interim champion who joined the boys on drive in the studio yesterday. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. So there we are. That was today's show. We'll do it all again uh, tomorrow. We'll be joined in. Uh, we'll be joined by Harry Hill. He'll be telling us about his new tour. Myself mm-hmm. and Charlie and uh, Andy will be back for the birthday spread. Yeah. They all Vince, uh, the Forest Green Rovers 
owner. He'll be on to tell us about a new documentary on the club, amongst other things. Do hope you can join us from one, if not the podcast, available at four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market